Hi, everyone. I'm Craig Pierner. I lead the advisory board's talent development team, and I'm back as your host for this radio advisory mini-series on leadership, where we engage in leadership education and dialogue. We continue our focus on the leadership attitudes and behaviors most critical during COVID-19. With previous discussions that covered uncertainty and emotional resilience, today we turn our attention to empathy. If you wanted to design a system to break empathy, you could scarcely do better than the society we've created contends Jamil Zaki, a professor of psychology and director of the Stanford University Social Neuroscience Laboratory, in his insightful book, The War for Kindness, Building Empathy in a Fractured World. During the pandemic, I returned to Zaki's book, and two things immediately haunted me. One, in a chapter about healthcare professionals, Zaki claims, there's a dangerous cycle of empathy, exhaustion, and callousness in medicine, and it's accelerating. Two, in his introduction, Zaki writes, the modern world has made kindness harder. Rituals that bring us into regular contact, attending church, participating in team sports, have given way to solitary pursuits. Wow, how has COVID-19 exacerbated those two things? The good news? In his book, Zaki is convincing and comprehensive in his argument that empathy is a skill, not a fixed trait. And if it's a skill, then it's one we can enhance through thoughtfulness and effort. Today's guest agrees and has extensive experience in working with health system leaders in building and deploying empathy. Meet Matt Corner, who leads the Advisory Board Fellowship, our cohort-based executive leadership experience. Some 2,500 healthcare industry leaders from 250 institutions have graduated from the fellowship, which equips leaders to navigate transformative change amid complexity. Welcome, Matt. It's great to have you on the program. Thanks, Craig. Great to be here. So, Matt, I know that you typically spend your days focused on building leadership capacity among executives. I don't think that has changed with COVID, but I imagine it's more virtual now. So tell me, how are things going with all of this? Well, obviously, the circumstances aren't great, but there are some silver linings to being virtual. A lot more time at home with family. I've been doing a lot more baking with my daughter. That's one of our pastimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just hitting her teenage years, so I'm trying to enjoy the moments when she is still enjoying my company. <laughs> I, I doubt it will be much longer. And what's been the most delicious baked good? Chewy ginger cookies with lemon icing. I might have to ask you to post the recipe on that with the show notes. Sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So how's the work going? Our purpose is supporting leaders and the organizations they serve in meeting moments exactly like this, where the traditional means by which we do that may not be at our immediate disposal. Um, that challenge remains. So still working with executives, spending my time in mean, individual conversations, working with small groups, and really just making space to listen. Curious, Matt, as you've been having these individual and small group conversations with healthcare leaders since the onset of COVID-19, how are they going and what kind of themes are you hearing? Well, it's, you know, it's the entire spectrum, 
I've heard from leaders enormous pride and admiration for their teams. I've heard a lot about a great sense of inadequacy as well, of leaders feeling like they simply aren't in a position to meet this moment. There's no way they can succeed. As a coach, the job is to give someone the space to reflect, to find clarity, and to be able to meet that moment. Obviously, the this crisis requires the same space, uh, but more of it, and that space carries just a much heavier weight. So as you give leaders that space, how are they filling it? What kinds of things are you hearing? One of the things about being able to provide that space is that people typically use it to be human and be vulnerable. So many leaders with whom I've worked uh, need that space to share their own fears and anxieties. You know, they say it's lonely at the top. It's because you can't complain down. You can't uh, sort of let your team know how vulnerable you might feel. So a lot of leaders are using that space to have that moment of vulnerability that they can't have with their teams. And as they share their fears with you, Matt, what would you say are the top one to two fears that are surfacing at the executive level right now? One, I think, is that I won't be able to properly care for my team. We are asking people to put themselves in harm's way, plain and simple. Now, there is a degree to which that's always the case, but um, this is a global pandemic, literally asking frontline caregivers every single day to put themselves in harm's way in a way that, and at a scale, uh, that we really haven't before. And then the second is around being up to the moment themselves. I want to be able to care for my team. And is this too much for me? Well, those are sobering themes that you're hearing and certainly, Matt, a testament to the relationship that you've built with these leaders that they feel they can come to you and have that space with you. So I really appreciate that you've given us some insight on what you're hearing. So, Matt, you said an interesting word earlier. This idea that leadership amid COVID-19 carries a heavier weight. Tell me more about what you mean by that. Well, it really comes down to the the human complexity involved. Um, We will need to bring our most compassionate and emotionally intelligent selves to the table as we get through to the other side of this crisis. Um, Leaders are having to really consciously and proactively create time for noticing and caring for others. Um, They have to cross the side of sympathy into the trenches of empathy. Okay, so that expression, uh, you're a man of beautiful words, Matt. That expression suggests that empathy and sympathy aren't the same thing. Well, it really boils down to the experience of the person extending the sympathy or the empathy. Sympathy is, that sounds really hard. I'm sorry, that's happening to you. Um, so for instance, I could, uh, extend sympathy to my wife for the pain she experienced in childbirth, but I could not empathize <laughs> with that experience as I have never had it. Whereas empathy is I've been there. I know exactly what you mean. I've had that experience. Empathy shows up after you've walked a mile in the other person's shoes, or at least taken the time to really find something in your own experience that serves as a point of reference for how that person's feeling. Uh, in the book I mentioned earlier, the war for kindness, um, Jamil Zaki points out that empathy is an umbrella term. And I really liked his description of empathy's elements. It's got an element of sharing. It's got an element of thinking about, and then it has an element of caring about others' feelings with different doses of each of those, depending on the situation and each of those helping us be empathetic. 
Do you agree that empathy is kind of this umbrella um, that involves those elements? Absolutely. For example, when I'm working with a leader, if I help a person notice that they're struggling to be empathetic, we'll explore why. One reason may be that that leader can't relate to the person's experience. We'll emphasize some, we'll call them thinking about exercises where leaders are encouraged to take the perspective of the other, really try to occupy that perspective. In other cases, we may be really familiar with the experience of others, but we may need to focus a bit more on the barriers that we face in caring about those experiences. Matt, you just used this expression as you were describing uh, the work that you do in coaching of exercise, and that makes it seem like empathy is work. To what extent do you think that empathy is natural uh, versus something that does indeed take work that requires exercise, if you will? I mean, I think there are a lot of natural instincts that help us with empathy, the way the babies begin to mimic the cries of other babies. And I think, you know, some of us may be more naturally inclined toward empathy. But that said, and you pointed this out in your introduction, the modern world and the extraordinary complexity and pressure in which we live goes a long way to stifle empathy. That's Mm -hmm. why we have to decide to practice empathy and to consciously practice empathy. So it does take some work. Yes, it takes a lot of work. Because just as we may have as human beings, we have the natural ability to empathize, we're also naturally somewhat self-centered. Tell me more about some of the things in the modern world, uh, and especially the modern healthcare world, that you think stifle some of those empathetic instincts that we possess as humans. We crave certainty. Often the times the way that that presents in an organizational setting is a command and control structure. And sometimes leaders are drawn to that structure as well, and crisis can justify it. Now, there may be a role for a more directive or command and control approach, but generally speaking, a just do it mentality can quash empathy and leave people feeling objectified. Uh Um, Some leaders ignore the emotion of the moment. They act like it's not happening. And some chastise or have a, a, a divide in their mind between the kinds of emotions that are acceptable um, in a professional setting versus a non-professional setting. Yeah, I had someone say to me a few years ago that he felt he was people's bosses, uh, not their therapist. Yes, yes. And then some leaders minimize the experience of others. So, for example, you knew the risks when you took this role or do your job, or at least you have a mask or that's what the money is for. (laughs) (laughs) So, man, I'm thinking about the things that you just mentioned, like a tendency towards command and control, uh, acting like this isn't happening or stifling emotions about it. And it seems to me like the pandemic might actually further some of those things that stifle empathy. Would you agree we're at even greater risk given what's happening right now? Absolutely. As I said, we have the ability to be empathetic toward others, but we are we tend to be naturally self-centered as well. Uh, we take care of ourselves. I mean, that almost in a clinical sense. And when, when we feel under assault, um, and frankly, this moment has everyone feeling under pressure, under assault, at risk, it is really, really difficult to care for others if one feels that their own needs aren't being met. So, uh-huh. yeah, moments like this where we see the pressure turned up as high as the pressure is here and for everyone at the same time, you know, that is a recipe for an inability to extend empathy in, in the way that it needs to be at this moment. 
Mm-hmm. So you've certainly given us some examples of some of the unempathetic things to which we're prone, especially in a moment like this. Let's turn our attention now to how we can be better. What do you advise a leader do uh, when he or she might be struggling to be empathetic or is seeing that others need more empathy from them? Well, it's typically not the stuff you learn in business school. Some <laughs> people learn it at home. Some learn it organically over time from, you know, as you said, Craig, sharing, thinking about, caring about the experiences of others, conscious practice. Um, it's about engaging with team members in a way that minimizes judgment, that puts your own agenda, your own stuff aside for a minute, uh, and that communicates your understanding of their feelings. Matt, I'm going back and thinking about the leader I mentioned earlier who told me once, I'm a boss, not a therapist. Right, right. For the leader who who's prone to that point of view and might think that the stuff you just mentioned, put my own stuff aside, mm-hmm. minimize judgment, is therapy and not leading – how would you suggest that person change his or her point of view about this? Well, I mean, I think it's it's understandable, but really what it comes down to is purpose. Think of it this way. What can I do to address the emotional barriers that are getting in the way of my team succeeding? This is about success. This is about getting important things done, uh, meeting a moment like this. And if, in fact, one barrier to getting those things done, one barrier to meeting this moment is helping people get unstuck emotionally that's something that from a leadership standpoint becomes our responsibility. It's the same for how we take care of patients. You know, we need to be able to engage them. We could certainly approach it in a technical manner, but it's care. Um, And so uh, approaching patients, listening to them, uh, leaving them with the feeling that they're genuinely cared for is important to that, to, uh, to the care process. I appreciate what you've just done because you've framed, I think, empathy's business purpose, if you will. Yes. If empathy is what's necessary for my team to thrive and not just survive through this, um, then that's what I need to do. And that's why this moment requires special attention to empathy. You might even suggest that it requires a shift in mindset from being chief executive officer to chief empathy officer. (laughs) I've used that phrase, too. It certainly has a ring to it. It rings true. COVID-19 is requiring leaders to be more empathetic than ever before. Think about some of the difficult conversations, telling your teams you may not have enough PPE or that certain employees are quote unquote non-essential and that furloughs are coming. That's awful. But sharing a message like this with empathy, with an acknowledgement of the feeling that goes along with those difficult decisions, that can go a long way in helping your team. We're seeing a lot of different kinds of leadership in action uh, through the COVID-19 crisis. Are there any good examples of empathetic leadership in public life that you think can serve as a point of reference for what you just mentioned, this idea that I can deliver a tough message with empathy? Well, one leader who has gotten a lot of attention through this crisis is Jacinda Ardern. She's the prime minister of New Zealand. It was a terrific piece about her in The Atlantic. Uh, She's absolutely leading with empathy. And there were a number of examples in this piece, but one example, uh, one communication with New Zealanders, she acknowledged the bracing emotional shock of hearing that loud blaring sound that precedes emergency alert messages. And whenever she's addressing the, the New Zealanders, she tempers her asks of sacrifice with assuring notes of hope and acknowledgement of the difficulty of the moment. 
And perhaps most noteworthy, her approach has generated results. New Zealand's among the most successful nations in the world in flattening the curve. Mm -hmm. So let's keep talking about this chief empathy officer concept. I think that is a great point of reference indeed. I know you spend a lot of your time working with folks in the C-suite, but this idea of empathy's importance isn't just something that top leaders can employ, right? Very true. Um, Leaders at all levels, peer to peer. Um, You don't need to be in a formal leadership position to practice empathy and for that empathy to play a positive role. There's one question that we have been suggesting that leaders ask one another, especially leaders to their teams. And this is the question. You are important to me and what we're doing here. How are you feeling right now? What makes that question so valuable? Well, the question first establishes the importance that that person has as a human being. And then the second, their importance to the cause, to the purpose, to the workforce. And finally, it ends with that key question um, and allows space for them to share, to really unpack what they're feeling and what might be getting them stuck. Yeah. And that question, Matt, how are you feeling right now in the space for the person to answer, sure can feel nerve-wracking. What if you don't want to hear the answer or if you fear the answer? This is the time for noticing and caring and realize that that's what this is. You don't have to fix whatever it is that they share, at least all of it, but you do have to show that you understand it. Hmm. Furthermore, I'd say that as a leader, you have to be okay with the vulnerability that you're creating Uh, What differentiates good leaders from great is practicing this skill, practicing empathy. It's hard. There's no doubt about it. But um, it's something that is critical and that leaders can get better and better at. I'd like to talk to you more about something you mentioned earlier that seems um, relevant to this idea that a leader should practice empathy. And it's the idea of, well, that sounds really nice, Matt, but who is creating empathy for me? Who's creating the space for me to express Mm -hmm. how I'm feeling? And that is a totally reasonable and not just reasonable, but a practical question. Because if if you can't have your needs met, you're drowning, you're not capable of helping others. uh, You'd be bringing them down instead. So the first thing is extend yourself grace. Allow for the capacity to self-regulate, which in turn allows us to hold space for others. That's what we've been trying to do with the short consults that we've been offering to leaders across the last several weeks is to provide that space to give them the space to have their needs met so that they can meet the needs of others. Well, Matt, our conversation has been really informative and to me has really underscored something, which is that leadership really matters, especially right now. Mm -hmm. There's a void out there in a moment like this, and it will either be filled with fear, anxiety, or hope, patience, and grace. And empathy will help leaders get there. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to talk with you. My pleasure, Craig. Thank you. And thank you to all the leaders on the front lines. We're so grateful for the work that you're doing. Leadership is a mix of knowledge, skills and behaviors, and attitudes. Matt just helped us see this mix when it comes to empathy. We learned that leadership in this moment requires foundational knowledge. What is empathy and how is it different from sympathy? The right attitude, choosing to see empathy's value. 
and the right behaviors. For example, creating space for your workforce to share how they're feeling right now. That last point, creating space for your workforce to share how they are feeling, is especially important at this moment. Between the personal and organizational stresses of COVID-19, how COVID infection and death rates have exposed health disparities, and how the killings of George Floyd and others have re-exposed our nation's systemic racism, your team is most likely feeling a set of acute emotions right now. On the June 7th edition of 60 Minutes, Sherilyn Eiffel, the president of the NAACP's Legal Defense Fund, was interviewed by journalist Bill Whitaker. If you did not see the episode, try to watch it online. In the interview, Whitaker, referring to George Floyd's killing, asks, Why was this incident such a spark? And Eiffel says, I've been doing this work for a very long time, and I've seen a lot of terrible videos. And this one actually struck me differently also. It was long. And to see someone's life being taken from them with that kind of excruciating deliberation... I got a lump in my throat when I heard that. I think because it captured my own reaction to an emotion around that awful video. And it's so painfully true. To me, it served as a reminder of how the spark that Whitaker references in his question requires that we create space right now to empathize particularly with our colleagues who are members of communities affected by systemic racism. Ask how they are feeling. Show interest in how racism has affected their lives. I'm hopeful that the empathy leaders are going out of their way to extend at this time will at the very least show team members who are experiencing acutely heightened emotions that you care. I also hope it may fuel the ongoing dialogue and systemic change it's so clear we need. On that note, try to tune in to Radio Advisory Episode 19, where Ray Woods speaks with my colleagues Michelle Simmons and Darby Sullivan about why racism is a healthcare issue. As we have discussed empathy today, I hope you've realized if you're worried about understanding your workforce and what they're experiencing during this time, others are too. You are not alone. Your leadership matters, especially right now. We want to hear from you. What did today's episode stir up for you? Send us your questions and feedback. You can always reach us at podcasts at advisory.com. That's podcasts with an S. And I hope that you'll join us for the next edition of Radio Advisory on Leadership. Our topic then, maintaining strong teams. Just sign up for the Radio Advisory podcast feed on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We'll see you then, and thanks for joining us today.